0: Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta-story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, Relationship Coach and Life Alignment Mentor, and this is this week's New Perspective. Hi there! I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode 14 daily goodness practice. Today, I want to talk about this idea that we've probably all at least heard of, which is a daily gratitude practice. It's been kind of in the cultural awareness, but what does it mean? And how does one do it? And how does it benefit us? And how can we approach it if that language feels just sort of off? Let's dive in. A gratitude practice is at its heart, taking time each day, ideally at the same time of the day, so that it becomes ritualized in your, in your psyche and in your embodied experience, to feel grateful for the good in your life. People who have a daily gratitude practice report being less stressed, less dissatisfied with life, more generous, more abundant, and more joyful. And this makes sense if you think about the way our minds work. First of all, what you focus on, you tend to get more of. So if you have a basically a pattern recognition program that's looking for bad things and stuff to worry about and all the things that are wrong, like you're going to see that. But if you have a pattern recognition system that's looking for things that are going right and things that are good and things to be grateful for and things to to give you hope and things to make you feel relief and comfort and delight then you're going to see more of those things. Our minds definitely have a negativity bias or or a threat bias, maybe is another way to, to think of it, where we overemphasize in our memories the bad things, the threatening things, the scary things, the upsetting things. We have to consciously make a space to find ballast for that, to find the good, to find the hope, to find the positive things that balance out the unhappy things, the scary things. We also reinforce our subconscious belief filters through emotions. And especially if we have repeated emotional exposures, then those beliefs get reinforced a lot. So again, if we're having like this constant drip of negative belief reinforcement, then That's going to get even more deeply entrenched, but if we have this constant drip of positive belief reinforcement, then that's what we're going to be going to first as our filter that we see the world through. Gratitude practices are also often based in mindfulness practices, and so mindfulness practices help us tune in to the now and the here rather than staying lost in projections and possibilities. So, we can tune in with that gratitude practice to the good that we have right now held in our hands, as opposed to these hypothetical bad things that might happen and could happen tomorrow but haven't happened yet, but they might. No, what's here and now? This is the good that I can hold right here and right now. Gratitude practices can help us separate what's most important. We can really focus on our needs rather than our wants. And if our needs are being met, then we can experience an enhanced sense of safety rather than unsafety in our life and in the world. Finally, a gratitude practice can help us notice more opportunities in our lives because we're actively looking for the good, we're actively looking for the ways that we're supported, we're actively looking for the hopeful opportunities that we have. And taking the time at the end of the day to engage in that practice can help us see those things. Again, it's the tangible possibilities, not these very hypothetical ones that actually allow us to then take action, say the following day to pursue that possibility. Our tendency especially in the modern world, which is very fast-paced and has a lot of information coming at us from all times, our tendency is to just kind of get pulled along by life and its demands. We stay very focused on the outer world, on our schedules, on balancing the needs of the various schedules in our lives. You know, our work schedule, our friends' schedules, our partner schedules, our, if we have pets, if we have kids, you know, their schedules, what do they need? There's a lot that keeps us kind of pulled to the outer world instead of going inward, instead of turning inward. A true gratitude practice is an embodiment practice. You ground in the here and now. You feel your body. You connect to your breath and to your heartbeat. You really feel the good feelings that come When you find a reason to be grateful, which brings me to my reframe that in fact, I think this whole concept of a gratitude practice is actually not really about gratefulness so much as it is about goodness. You're looking for the good in your life. You're looking for evidence that contradicts any narratives you might have about lack, inadequacy, darkness, hopelessness, that kind of thing. You're looking for evidence that supports narratives of hope, of safety, of delight, of connection, of acceptance, and you're wanting to feel, to truly feel something emotional in response to that evidence. We create and perpetuate beliefs that shape how we experience the world from our experiences, our emotions, and the emotions we have about our experience, those meta-feelings. And so if we don't have emotions about the evidence of good that we find, then it loses its potency against any emotional beliefs we might have that say there's not that much good. And so a gratitude practice is a practice of feeling things in response to the good that we find in our lives. And I personally do not love framing it as a gratitude practice. Why? Because that is very prescriptive. It presumes that the emotional response you're going to have to goodness is, in fact, gratitude. So first of all, what if what you feel is more like relief or excitement, or hope, or wonder, or like overwhelm at the amazing goodness of the world and the beauty of the universe and life itself, and just the incredibly miraculous, amazing experience that it is. Those are all very positive emotions, and they will absolutely anchor in the evidence that life is good. But you know what those aren't? They're not gratitude. And what if this idea of gratitude actually feels icky to somebody, like you owe somebody a favor, or maybe you're obligated, like now you need to have this performative gratitude for for the good. I mean, if you have any kind of Judeo-Christian religious trauma, you know exactly what I mean, that gratitude comes with expectations. So... Sure, you know, some people might feel gratitude when they think about the good in their lives. Maybe you might feel gratitude some of the time, or maybe gratitude is a secondary emotion that you feel. But it may not be part of your authentic emotional reaction to the pieces of goodness that you find. And that's okay. So maybe don't call it a gratitude practice. Call it what it is. Call it a goodness practice and then feel what you feel in response to that. You're just trying to find the tangible good in your life. Again, you feel what you feel about that. <laughs> if gratitude's part of it, great. But don't force yourself to feel gratitude. Feel what you authentically feel when you find goodness. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the goodness and you're looking for the feeling that you have about the goodness. The other thing I want to talk about is that a practice like this isn't meant to hide or deny any of the struggles you're having. And I think that can sometimes get lost when, you know, you see so much focus on, like, gratitude and be grateful and, like, find the good. And it's not trying to invalidate your feelings about things that are negative in your life. You know, you might have genuine, authentic feelings of anger or depression or anxiety or despair or pain or grief life is never all one thing it's not binary good versus bad it's all mixed up a goodness practice is not meant to make the bad go away it's meant to make the bad less bad by showing you that there's good right alongside it we persist through the hard times because we feel hope or because we feel connection and love in spite of the hard times, because we can still find beauty and fascination in the world, even when we're struggling. So being able to find and to name and to count and to react to the good that we can find, that we do have, that is necessary to move through the hard and the hurtful parts of life. We can't live a life that's entirely free of sorrow, but, if our portion of sorrow is too high, we begin to wonder why we're here at all. And our minds are really, really good at amplifying sorrows. So part of our self-management as people taking responsibility for our personal narratives and our sovereign identities is to deliberately counter that tendency of our minds. And a goodness practice is a great way to do that. We owe it to ourselves to make our life feel better to live, and we owe it to each other. People who are mired in negativity and hopelessness and fear and numbness, those people are less generous with one another. When we're in that darkness, we don't have energy to spare on concerns other than our own. We get really insular and fearful and suspicious. We withdraw, we withhold. We disengage. None of those are conducive to healthy, interconnected, interdependent relationships and communities. If we want a better world together, then we as individuals need to be willing to see one. We need to feel hope that we can create one. We need to deliberately look for proof that that hope is real, that change is possible, that goodness exists. So, goodness practice is an excellent start. It takes nothing but a little bit of time and a little bit of intention. You can do it anywhere at any time. One really simple way to do it is to take five minutes right before bed to find three things that were good about your day and really focus on each one of them in turn. Feel the emotions that are evoked by the memory or your awareness of it as something good. Let yourself lean into those positive feelings. They're more true than the negativity. And now you have evidence for it. Five minutes. Three things. This is not a situation where quantity is all that important. It's the quality. It's the emotional tone that you can find at least for me some people might say that more evidence is better but in my experience it, it wasn't that I needed all that much it's that I needed to feel it very deeply and very purely I have walked through some pretty dark times in my life I have had times when finding more than three truly good things in a day or that's not that's not it it would have been finding more than three things that made me feel like goodness really existed in my life. That would have been hard, maybe even impossible. I could find three that felt like a really doable number when I was in the darkest parts of depression and despair. Those, those places cut away our ability to feel hope and to, and to feel joy. Often they lead us to numbness because we're trying to escape pain, but numbness also cuts us off from our capacity to connect and to feel wonder. The good things that you find don't have to be big things. They, they have to be things that make you feel, but maybe it's a leaf in your favorite shade of yellow. Maybe just the fact that your best friend exists. Maybe the scent of a flower and the sound of your, of your favorite singer's voice. Like sometimes those are the things that you actually feel something about. They're the little lights that are small enough. They can actually reach you even in a dark time. And other days, the good things might be the big things. It might be your home. It might be your family, your life itself. Those are bigger goods for the days when we have capacity for more bigger goodness for more light. All the goods are good. The best goods to find are the goods that make you feel. Because finding the good in your life is finding life itself. It's finding a reason to focus on life. You're looking for the emotions and the experiences that affirm life and, and set aside the ones that deny it. You're finding the good in order to create a ballast for the inevitable bad. And it's kind of an upward spiral when you really start to do this and integrate a goodness practice into your life. When you start looking for evidence of good, you find it. And the more that you find, the more that you want to look. And the more that you look, (laughs) the more that you find. So it can be a really wonderful practice to amplify the light and the goodness and the hope. And it's also okay to start it small. It's okay if all you're finding today is that beautiful leaf and that beautiful song and that beautiful message from your friend. Starting a goodness practice doesn't have to be a huge sweeping change. It can be small. It can be subtle. It can take a long time for that amplification effect to grow. That's okay. The point is that you start. The point is that you make it a practice. The point is that you get yourself in the habit of actively looking for the good and actively taking charge of seeking out evidence that supports beliefs you want to grow rather than the ones that seem to spring up by default. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here and spending this time with me. There are many ways to spend it, and I'm honored that you choose to spend some of your time and and attention on me. If you want to know more about my work in general, you can check out thepatternbreaker.com or follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next time, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for this week?